0: Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 10 of the Pick and Pod podcast. Andrew Posadas alongside this week with my good friend, Jack Roach. And Jack, it's been, I think the last time we did a Pick and Pod episode together was All-Star Weekend in February. I remember because you picked Pat Connaughton to win the slam dunk contest. I remember that. So Jack, it's been a while, but welcome back to Pick and Pod.
1: Yeah, it's definitely been quite some time, but, you know, it's great to see some really intense playoff basketball. And, you know, a couple months ago, I don't think either of us would have thought we'd been in the position we are now. So it's great to see some some good ball going on.
0: Yeah, and and it is September, and right now, traditionally, we'd be awaiting football games and preseason NBA games. But as you mentioned, we're getting playoff games and, and an epic conclusion to one of the series that we didn't think was going to be this good between the Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets last night the Nuggets prevail and what wasn't an offensive slugfest Jack it was really a defensive struggle between both teams but the Denver Nuggets prevail 80 to 78 Nikola Jokic had 30 points 14 rebounds Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell didn't have necessarily the huge games people thought Jamal Murray was limited to just 17 Donovan Mitchell, 22 points himself a- and some notes, Jack, the Denver Nuggets. Now the 12th team in NBA history to come back from a three, one deficit. The last time we saw that was back in 2016 when the Warriors lost to the Cavs in the NBA finals and between Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray, 475 points combined. That is the most in NBA history surpassing the previous mark. 1969 nba finals jack and i think you know these two names jerry west and john havlicek who had 463 (laughs) in a series so just your immediate reaction to what was nothing short of a spectacular series between utah and denver
1: well such a crazy juxtaposition from the first six games of the series you know it was all about murray and mitchell you know putting up crazy numbers and it was you know, some of the most fun I've ever had watching a first round of playoff basketball. Sometimes they can kind of be, you know, four game sweeps and not that entertaining, but this was like as good as playoff basketball gets. And then game seven comes around 80 to 78 and it was a slugfest really between Jokic And Rudy Gobert, you know, you you think it's all about the guards putting up the points and the game slows down and the big men take over. Um, So that was a lot of fun to watch. And it really had that vintage early 2000s, slowed down tempo feel throughout the whole game.
0: Yeah. And Jack, I think we both, nobody was betting the under in that game last night. I think everybody thought we were going to get into the hundreds, but again, as you mentioned, It was really a struggle, and it felt like both teams were just absolutely exhausted. I mean, when you put up those first six games and those battles that they had and all the energy that Denver needed to just come back down 3-1, it just felt like in that fourth quarter both teams were just mentally and physically spent. And then we get to those last 17 seconds, Jack, and Donovan Mitchell gets the ball in his hands. He has a chance to either tie the game, take the lead, and Gary Harris, who credit to Gary Harris, he just came back from an injury, and he's already proven why he's been a valuable part of the Nuggets. He's a great 3-and-D type of player, makes a good steal. Jamal Murray gets it, and then in the sequence back, he doesn't pull the ball back. He gives the pass off to Torrey Craig, and, and frankly, Torrey Craig smokes that layup. Rudy Gobert gets the rebound, but Donovan Mitchell is still on the other side of the court. He, he just wasn't happy With what just happened on the other side, he tries to wave his hands. Gobert can't get him the ball. It goes to Mike Conley. And then that last second, heed by Conley rims in and out halfway down. If you're Donovan Mitchell, I I think you have to run back on defense. So that would be my only criticism on on Donovan Mitchell in those last few seconds. You got to get back on defense so that if you see Torrey Craig miss that layup, you're right there for a quick pass from Gobert instead of him having to settle for Mike Conley and not throw that cross court pass. Jack, what did you see? What, what did you feel like could have been done better in those last few seconds by Donovan Mitchell?
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, as a baseball guy, it almost reminds me of like a guy hitting a weak grounder, a twin infielder and not running it out, you know, and it's so tough to say that for a guy that poured his heart out on and off the court for, you know, this whole round. Um, I feel like that's the only small stain on on his uh, resume of this whole series. And yeah, maybe he should have sprinted over there, but I mean, it is, it was strange that they were even in that situation in the first place, you know, Jamal Murray going up with, you know, practically sealed the game. It really wasn't even a situation they should have been in in the first place. So I don't give that much, um, you know, negative energy towards Donovan Mitchell after playing as hard as he did throughout those seven games.
0: No, that's understandable. Uh, he did every, especially in the third quarter, in, in the first three to four minutes, he, he brought back the team by himself, put the team on his back. And that's what he did all series. He averaged 36 points. It's just absurd, and he's really emerging as one of the young superstars out there that we hope to see moving forward. But, but again, when you look at Jamal Murray after he passes that ball to Torrey Craig, he's back too. Once Rudy Gobert gets that rebound, Jamal Murray's right there, and he still makes that sprint to get a at least a contest on Mike Conley's last-second shot. So, so for Donovan Mitchell, I understand you're physically spent; you've given all you can give. But, but at that point, it, it just feels like maybe you could have just sprinted i mean it's all or nothing at that point you just got to give it everything you've got right you just can't stand back there and put your hands up and be like all right come just throw the ball baseball pass that over to me i don't think that can happen
1: yeah i mean with three seconds left in the game it's difficult to make that you know end of one core half core you know like you do what you can and you know, it was just such a wild series. I think it's so funny that after 3-1, so many people were ready to to write the Nuggets off, you know. And even if they do end up losing this series, like, that's a team that's in really good hands, you know. Not just the guys that are established as stars, like Jokic. And we've seen Murray kind of step into the spotlight. But, I mean, we saw some big plays from Michael Porter Jr. last night. And there was a lot of, of buzz and hype around even Bull Bull, you know, like at, at the beginning <laughs> of the series. Didn't see a ton of action just because, you know, the nature of this series. But that's a guy that's that's probably going to contribute going forward. And even throughout this series, we saw a much lower usage of Paul Millsap. You know, that was a guy that they brought in to kind of jumpstart their development with all those young guys. and. Now those young guys have taken over. You know, they've got a really promising future.
0: Yeah, and the same can be said for the Utah Jazz. I know NBA Twitter was hot last night talking about potential trade rumors. Obviously, Knicks fans feel delusional enough to think that the Jazz are going to send Donovan Mitchell this way. But uh, no, I mean, when you think about it, they didn't have Bogdan Bogdanovich. He was injured. Mike Conley was coming off an injury, too. He also left the bubble for the birth of his child. So this Utah Jazz team, if they could add a stretch four to complement Rudy Gobert... There's no reason not to think that this is a top-five team potentially in the West, and they will be a factor as long as Donovan Mitchell continues to take these next steps into being that superstar that they need. But for now, the Denver Nuggets will get the Los Angeles Clippers in the next round, and Game 1 will be on Thursday. But now let's move over to that other matchup because we do have a Game 7 tonight, Oklahoma City-Houston Chris Paul against his old team, Russell Westbrook against his old team, Jack, we saw Chris Paul basically put the thunder on his back in the fourth quarter to to get them over the hump and to force this game seven. And this has just been such an interesting matchup, that small ball lineup of Mike D'Antoni against really the young grittiness of the thunder with a mix of some veterans Almost like the Denver Nuggets, just a mix of veterans and some young emerging talent. Jack, what do you hope to see in this Game 7? And who do you think ultimately prevails and moves on to face LeBron and company?
1: Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting, you know, so great to have back-to-back Game 7s. I think going into this season, a lot of people were unsure of what the Thunder's plan was. You know, they were almost caught in between rebuilding and contending. You know, they had, you know, the Shea Gilgis-Alexanders and they had the Chris Pauls and the Gallinari's. And it was, you know, just so great to see them mesh from the get-go. And and here we are in a Game 7 against a team with a dynamic offense. And I just think when the game slows down and you have – arguably the two best isolation players in the game right now. I, I, I can't bet against that. I think it's going to be an exciting game from start to finish, and it would really shock me if Chris Paul and company could overcome just the, the offensive prowess that James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and a ton of really good wing guys have.
0: Yeah, and for the Rockets, it's been the turnovers. That, that's been killing them in the games – that they've won in this series, they're only averaging about eight in the games that they've lost, it's over 20. So, I mean, that's the thing. And I think it comes down to those two ball handlers and James Harden and particularly Russell Westbrook because, as we saw in game six, down the stretch, just some really bad decision-making where where you're just putting your hands up in the air and just wondering if you're Mike D'Antoni. Like, this isn't the offense that has been working in getting us that 3-1 lead or that 3-2 lead, excuse me, going into game six. So, uh, again, to me, I understand what you're saying about the Rockets, but Chris Paul, it it just feels like he's on a mission, just hearing him in that post-game conference saying, we don't want to go home yet. You know, I want to win this. It just feels like at this point, they figured out that Rockets defense. They're using that pick and roll and making guys like Robert Covington have to switch on the smaller guards and Paul and Schroeder, and they're slicing and dicing now. So unless Mike D'Antoni can bring – they don't have a big on that bench. Unless he can trade for somebody now or sign somebody off the street that's over 6'9", the Thunder are still going to run that pick and roll. And I just really think at the end of the day, that small ball lineup might just be the death of this Rockets team.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think this is really the the do or die, you know, all or nothing year for – D'Antoni ball, because, you know, the Rockets have had success. But, you know, when you have that much talent, when you don't get a ring, what do you have to show for it? And this year they've really gone all in on it, in this, this micro ball they've implemented. I mean, they've had success, but for me, the key is really consistency because they have games where they look like they're the best team in the league. And then there are games when there's turnovers and they're not connecting on the long ball. And I, I just, you know, I have to wonder what we're going to get tonight. Are, are we going to get those Rockets that look like they're the best team? Are we going to get the ones that, you know, are getting stared down by Chris Paul?
0: Exactly. And they live by the three. And, of course, inversely, you got to die by the three. And that's what it comes down to because the Thunder have shown that they can execute Their sets down the stretch when the pace, as you mentioned, once it slows down, you've seen that Billy Donovan has been able to make great adjustments and they've been able to execute on both sides of the floor. And you got to think that for Mike D'Antoni, he hasn't gotten that contract extension, and I'm sure the Rockets are just waiting to see how far this team can go. If they lose tonight, he's gone. And you got to think that maybe there's an inevitable trade because you just can't keep the small ball lineup – If you think about it, if they still had Clint Capella right now, had a rim protector, somebody that you could lean on to be your defensive anchor, would things be different right now? Obviously, you wouldn't have Robert Covington, but at this point, maybe Clint Capella in this style, once it gets more methodical, more slow, once it gets half court, I think having somebody like Clint Capella is key, and not having that rim protector is really just starting to affect the Rockets and it's only going to get worse Jack if they go against the Lakers if they somehow win tonight Anthony Davis is going to be waiting there in the next round and there's nobody in a Houston jersey that's going to be able to guard him on the block
1: I know it's a small sample size but they've had some success against the Lakers this year right and I really do think trading Clint Capella has been a huge plus for them because I don't think Covington is that much of a step down on defense. And, you know, they can pull him out into that perimeter game and really go all in on that five out when you've got, we have got four one, it kind of hurts a little bit of that, um, that spacing, but man, this is, I mean, tonight's the test, right?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and again, Stephen Adams isn't going to kill you as a big, but I would imagine in that next round to have Anthony Davis, that's a different guy in the pick and roll. You can't sag off and leave Anthony Davis to his own devices, or he's going to average 35 in that series. But that leads me to, to something that I'm thinking about, Jack, between these two game sevens in the West, you can see the amount of energy that's been expended by the jazz and the nuggets and now by the rockets and the thunder and I just have to wonder, wh- what realistic shot are we giving them against both L.A. teams, considering playing every other day, having to go seven games, and now not even getting two days of rest, having to go right into that every other day for the next playoff series? I- I'm-, I'm not going to lie to you, Jack. I-, I really don't give whoever wins tonight and, and the Nuggets much of any shot. I, I really do believe we're getting that all L.A. conference finals in the Wild Wild West.
1: I mean, I think the NBA wants that. That would be awesome to see in L.A., L.A. It would be even better if they were actually in L.A. They could play at uh, you know, in, at home. But I think that the Nuggets are going to struggle without a ton of rest going into a relatively fresh Clippers series. But I just think when the Rockets are firing on all cylinders, they are a tough out, especially – when the Lakers have struggled connecting from deep. You know, Danny Green has been ice cold since the bubble started. So I really do think that the Rockets have a legitimate chance of entering the Western Conference Finals if they win tonight. Big if.
0: <laughs> I mean, listen, we wanted it. We were begging for it before the season. We wanted to see Clippers. We wanted to see Lakers. Once Kawhi spurned the Lakers, everyone thought he was going to join them for a few weeks let decide to stay in house and go to the other team. The Clippers added Paul George. This is what we want to see Pat. We want to see Pat Beverly get up under LeBron James and defend him and bother him. We want to see Montrose Harrell and Anthony Davis go back and forth. I need all that. We need all that smoke, Jack. I I, (laughs) I just can't see the rockets or the thunder. And then the nuggets, those three have all been good. They're all good teams, solid teams, but it, it just feels like the cream of the crop has risen in the West and that happens to be the Lakers and Clippers, and both of them right now are starting to turn it on, and you're starting to see everything start to click and them starting to hit on all cylinders.
1: I mean, whatever we get, we have already gotten more than, than we should have. You know, this, this first round has been a treat to watch, so I am very excited to see what follows.
0: Yeah, and, and the West, for me, just very good. Two seven-game series in the West, and then the semifinals that we hope will be just as competitive. But Jack, it is time to segue to the other side of that bracket where you and I both have vested interests. And let's start first with the game that's happening at 6.30 later this evening between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat are already up one nothing. And there was somebody here at WFUV Sports who tried to tell everybody this, tell you guys, hey, the Eastern Conference is wide open. Milwaukee and Toronto are not as good as you think. And so far that person who will not be named. If you know that person, you know that person has been correct. And Jack spoiler alert, that person is me. I said that. And so far I've been nothing but correct about how the matchups have gone. The Miami heat. And this is what I love. The Miami heat defensively are building a wall around Giannis, just like Orlando did. but. Unlike the Magic, the Heat have firepower on offense. They have shooters. And then they have, to me, one of the best leaders, maybe other than Chris Paul, LeBron James, a few others. But Jimmy Butler has to be up there in the conversation as one of the best leaders in the NBA. Coach Spolstra has been there, done that. He's won championships. He understands what it takes. And for Milwaukee, other than Giannis and Chris Middleton, they're not really getting much out of anybody. And nobody can really create and make shots for others, Jack. What do you think about Milwaukee? If they go down 0-2 tonight, is this series over?
1: It's not over. It's not over if they lose because uh, that's like uh, when Paul Pierce against the Celtics and the Bucks. You know, <laughs> it's over, and then of course they storm back and win four in a row. This Bucks team is too talented to write them off after two games, but. We saw a lot of NBA Twitter hate against the, what, can we assume that Giannis is going to be the MVP? Is that a fair assumption? Okay, I'm getting a nod. So it's just strange to see the MVP Defensive Player of the Year not take on the guy. We can talk about the Heat. They have an extremely deep team, but they have one star, and that's Jimmy Butler, and that man is a forward. Giannis should be guarding him. And he doubled down on um, that take in the post-game interview. They asked him, did you want to take him?
0: He goes, no, why would I do that? What do you yeah, mean? He said, yeah, he said only the – I do whatever the coach tells me to do. Like, no, you you are the defensive player of the year. But I think it also goes to the fact that the Bucks have no answer for Bam Adebayo, who was close enough, finished second and most improved player. but he has to guard Bam, and that is the problem. Brooke Lopez can't stay in front of him, and they don't have any other bigs quick enough to stick with Bam. So at this point, Coach Butt has no choice but to leave Chris Middleton And as good as an offensive player as Chris Middleton is. He is not that two-way type of player. He's not going to stay in front of Jimmy Butler. So for Giannis, I mean, if you are that guy, Jacket, as you just mentioned, you got to go to Coach Butt and said, you know what? This plan isn't working. Put me on Jimmy Butler down the stretch. And let's go from there, right? You've just got to if you're the MVP of the league.
1: I totally agree with you. And you've got Jimmy Butler. You've got Bam Adebayo. And he's been so effective, not only because he can get position in the post, but when you've got one of the Lopez twins guarding him, that opens up. the Bam Adebayo is such a great playmaker, and he can make those passes under the hoop and just create a whole new game, but Giannis isn't guarding him either. He's guarding Jake Crowder in crunch time, and trust me, I love Jake Crowder. He's one of my favorite Celtics players ever, but, I mean, he's just hes just another another guy. You know, he's, he's a good um, rotational player. He does a job very well. He's been extremely effective for this Heat team, but he shouldn't be guarded by Giannis.
0: I mean, yeah, and, and I understand the Bucks don't have Eric Bledsoe, and they're looking – when he comes back i'm not sure what his status is for game two up to this point and it's probably just updating in the next couple hours but even with eric bledsoe he's not a guy who's gonna knock down six or seven threes a game or average eight or nine assists that's not really but he's more of a scoring point guard in his own right so even so even when fully healthy this is a team that a doesn't really have as many playmakers as people thought they do pass the ball well but they don't have at least two guys. Maybe Giannis can be at times, but they don't really have a pure playmaker out there who can initiate offense and really regroup a team when they're stagnant on that side of the floor. And Jack, I think you'd agree. This defense, while it was great up to the shutdown in March, ever since they've been back in the bubble, that is not the same defense we saw earlier in the year. And I think Miami's the type of team that can continue to expose it because as the Magic, we saw, the Magic gave them their best shot and obviously, they didn't have the firepower to withstand the Bucks. But this Miami Heat team—I've been saying it—they have a little bit of everything. They have a great coach, one of the most underrated coaches in the league, in my opinion, who doesn't get talked about enough anymore. In Spolstra. and the mentality, when you have that kind of guy in Jimmy Butler, he was the best player on the floor in Game One, and that can't happen when that court also has Giannis Antetokounmpo walking around on it too. I think you'd agree. But but Jimmy Butler again. This is what – I never expect this. I thought he was going down to Miami to win more domino games than he was actual NBA basketball games. But credit to them, they are a team that in this bubble environment, Jack, you have to agree, they can make a run to the NBA finals.
1: Absolutely. And it's been so interesting to see – you know, like even during regular – the regular season, going to a normal playoff setting – you you can only guess so much. You don't know what's going to happen. And now we're in this crazy, unique, foreign circumstance. And, you know, it's it's just kind of wild to see the really good teams sometimes struggling, like the Lakers not, you know, playing good perimeter offense and, you know, the Bucks struggling on defense.
0: Yeah, and, and again, for Milwaukee, I know there's been other things on their mind with what's happened in Kenosha – and where they want to lend their voice and their platform to. But they did decide to stay in the bubble. So you got to believe that the majority of that team, they want to win that championship. Giannis, he wants to get over the hump. And that's all that's missing right now from Giannis' resume and from Coach Bud, too. Coach Bud has had some good teams back in Atlanta and now coming here in Milwaukee. But that's always been the kind of question mark on his resume is, can he win big series and, and get his teams to an NBA Finals? So for the Bucs, this is huge because if they don't win this series and Miami is able to steal this and move on in, in six or seven games, no matter what it is, the clock is going to be on Milwaukee to try and build a winner or, or try and reshape this team and to fit Giannis's desire to win that championship. Or we might be hearing – <laughs> some heavy trade rumors of Giannis to other teams, and that would only explode social media once Giannis gives out a source that he wants out in Milwaukee.
1: Uh, yeah, it just reminds me of like uh, when Kawhi was on the Spurs and he uh, you didn't say a word to the media, and every day we got a new rumor, whatever, his uncle, trainer, this, that. It's just all speculation and hype.
0: Yeah, and the Bucs are going to look to avoid going down 0-2. But again, they lost game one to the Magic. We're able to bounce back in dominant fashion. We'll see if they can do that against a game Miami Heat team. Shout out to my guy, Alex Walls. Huge Heat fan and joining. I know you're going to be there, Alex, in your jersey. But, Jack, now most importantly, I think for yourself, that other matchup we saw last night, the Boston Celtics take a 2-0 lead Over the Toronto Raptors, 102-99. Our guy, Jason Tatum, a career-high, 30, a playoff career-high, 34 points, a playoff career-high, six assists. And Marcus Smart goes out of his mind in the fourth quarter, just knocking down threes. I, I don't know who changed his badge in 2K, but that should be at Hall of Fame moving forward. And Kemba Walker struggled for three quarters but he still kept shooting, and credit to Kemba, never, never shied away, never became hesitant. He made some big shots down the stretch. And for Toronto, Jack, they shot 24% in the fourth quarter. They missed 29 threes last night, the second most in their team history, only to their 30 misses back in game one. Jack, these are your Boston Celtics and my Jason Tatum as one of my favorite players in the league now, slowly but surely. What are we thinking about the Boston Celtics and what they're doing to the defending champs?
1: My attitude towards this Celtics team has not changed one bit since they started playing well, other than the emergence of Jason Tatum as a, I mean, a young superstar. I think a couple games ago we could have – had the debate, well, who's a better player in the Eastern Conference? Is it Pascal Siakam or is it Jason Tatum? And I think two games into this series, Jason Tatum has definitely solidified himself ahead of, of Spicy P. And when you look at that Toronto team, I mean, it's easy just to say, oh, the reason why they're not winning is they don't have Kawhi Letter. They don't have, um, you know, Danny Green, but – The impact that those guys had is that you're forcing Pascal Siakam to take those big time shots as a guy that hasn't really lived in that spotlight yet. And the time is now and he really hasn't seized that opportunity. So the Celtics are doing what they've always done. And the Raptors are in this new situation, this new weird environment, and they haven't really lived up to what we have seen them do in the past.
0: Yeah, and the regular season, you don't really experience the loss of a superstar like Kawhi Leonard, but once we get into playoff time and the tempo is slower and the pace is more methodical and you're going into more of a half-court style, now you have to hope that the players there, they can all step up a peg and Pascal Siakam is now the guy. He has the keys to the car. He's the team's best player. He's expected now to be that guy they can lean toward, when they need to execute late down the stretch. But Jack, he's averaging a shade under 19 points per game this postseason. If you're the best player on a team looking to contend for a championship, you can't give me under 20 points per game. And again, I think it also has to go on Kyle Lowry's shoulders. Kyle Lowry last year really exercised some demons but again, those demons of his inconsistent postseason play a few years back, they're starting to rear their ugly head now with no Kawhi, and we're starting to see this Raptors team kind of fall back into those bad habits that they had in the DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry days. So Nick Nurse, he is the coach of the year, and now he's going to have to prove that because it's going to be a chess match between him and Brad Stevens. And so far, Brad Stevens, one of the best moves he's done is play Robert Williams the third. Robert Williams is athletic. He plays great defense, cleans up the boards, and he can give you scoring. I mean, what he's he made his first 10 baskets against the Raptors in the series. Jack, Brad Stevens is finally kind of becoming that messiah that he was profited out to be when he came over from Butler to Boston.
1: Yeah, I mean, since you know his tenure began in Boston, he's always been kind of um, looked at as like a smart young coach, right? A younger, newer face. You know, we're we're so familiar with the Greg Popoviches of the world. And, you know, you get a young guy coming from college and, you know, he struggled last season with all the different personalities. And I I think the the questions began to reemerge. Well, you know, like what is his impact? What is his legacy going to be? And it has been so much fun to watch this team this year. And you brought up my guy, Rob Williams. Uh, fans of him in Boston either call him the Time Lord, my yes. favorite Sleepy Bob. He infamously uh, slept through the team flight and is just days after getting drafted. He's been so much fun to watch after suffering injuries throughout the whole season.
0: Yeah, Boston, again, this team, much like Miami, has a little bit of everything, a little bit of grit, a little bit of shooting, a little bit of inside offense, interior defense now with Robert Williams emerging alongside Daniel Tice. And both Milwaukee and Toronto, really, this is going to be a scrap fight. Again, I did say I felt that if there were going to be any upsets, it was going to happen in the Eastern Conference. And Boston, now, I asked you about Milwaukee if it'd be over If they go down 0-2, well, the Raptors are down 0-2, Jack. So now that you look at this series, what chance are you giving the Raptors to come back? I know they were down in Milwaukee in the conference finals last year and ended up winning four straight. But as I mentioned, Kawhi Anthony Leonard is not on that team anymore to close deals. So what shot do you give the Raptors to come back, considering that the Boston Celtics still haven't really played their A game just yet?
1: Here's what I'll say. Game 1 they forced Jason Tatum to be a playmaker. They doubled him the whole game and the Celtics won with authority. Game 2 Kemba Walker struggled tremendously and he he picked it up in the fourth quarter. But games 1 and 2 the Celtics two best players have had some struggles. And they're still up 2-0. And I will never discredit a team through two games of play. But you know, if I'm if I'm betting money, I'm I'm putting it on green.
0: Listen, stars win out the further along you get in the postseason. And it's become apparently clear that Boston has more stars. And when you have somebody like Kemba Walker as your third option, that's exactly where you want to be as a team. And, and Toronto and Milwaukee will have to make serious adjustments if they really are going to prove to be the cream of the crop on that side. But, Jack, before we close out this week's episode of Pick and Pod, we have to get our official predictions. So let's start with that first game, Miami-Milwaukee. Who do you have? Do you have Milwaukee tying the series up, or does Miami take a 2-0 lead much like the Boston Celtics did?
1: I don't know if Giannis is active on Twitter, but if he heard any of the stuff that we were seeing – I think he's taking it personally. I think we're going to see a classic Giannis game, and the Bucs are going to win big time.
0: I'm going to say this. I think that Giannis finally becomes more aggressive and gets guys like Bam Adebayo, like uh, Kelly Olenek in foul trouble. I still think Miami keeps it close, but I will give Milwaukee tonight's game. They probably win single digits game. Maybe Giannis does enough. Maybe hits a few threes, shows us that reach. But I got Milwaukee tying up the series. And later on tonight, Oklahoma City, Houston. You were leaning to the Rockets, Jack. Are you going to go official with that Rockets moving on to the next round?
1: When the game gets tight, I can't bet against the two best isolation players in the league. Give me the Rockets.
0: All right. This is tough for me. I want to pick the Rockets because I'm with you. That's the better matchup in the next round. But Chris Paul just seems like he's on a mission. And I saw what he did. He's done it in the past before. He's a cold-blooded killer. And I think he'll have that Oklahoma City team right where they need to be. I think they found the, the recipe to, this, to exposing this Houston defense. And I think Oklahoma City, they oust Houston. And we have some serious problems with the Rockets moving forward with Mike D'Antoni and the future of that team. But I think Oklahoma City – ultimately prevails, and the slander on Chris Paul hopefully stops because he is a great player. Give him credit, and I think he prevails for this team ultimately, Jack.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. I think it's not really – I mean, it wouldn't be a gimme if we were in a game seven, right? It's going to be interesting regardless of what happens.
0: Man, I'm just happy to have playoff basketball in September. Who would have thought we'd get playoff basketball now, and it's only going to get better – moving forward we'll find out who goes on to face the lakers and we will find out if the heat take a 2-0 series lead like the celtics have over in the east but that will do it for this week's episode of pick and pod for jack roach i'm andrew Posadas. thank you for listening in